You are listening to the Root Simple Podcast. On the podcast this week is a recording of a talk I gave to the Long Beach Beekeepers on Sunday, August 5th, 2018. Before we get to my talk, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers, Robert G., Anne F., Dan F., Heather E., Lynn G., K., Scott G., Kellyan, Stephanie L., Erica R., Kelton M., Kyle P., Nicholas H., David and Sandy S., Eric of Garden Fork, and supporters Michael W., Johnny S., Dutch Girl, Mary H., Stephen T., Brad and Stacy, and Johan. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. Before we get to my talk, I want to give some background. Several times you'll hear me refer to the Backwards Beekeepers. The Backwards Beekeepers were a group in Los Angeles that promoted a radical style of natural beekeeping. The group's mentor was Kirk Anderson, who you can hear on episode 40 of this podcast if you'd like to know more about this type of beekeeping. I'll have a link in the show notes to that episode. I'd also like to thank the Long Beach Beekeepers for inviting me to speak. If you're in the Long Beach area and want to be a part of their club, you can find them at longbeachbeekeepers.org and on Facebook. Thank you so much for having me. Um, First off, uh, yeah, you want me to stand? This is the official official spot here. Uh, Ironically... Uh, for a talk about mistakes I have made, I just took the blue line here. There was a uh, deter. Well, usually it's okay, except when there's a deter on it, and you get off at the wrong stop in the middle of nowhere, and it's like 10 o'clock, and oh my God, I've got to speak in 10 minutes or whatever it was. So I apologize for being late. Um, I also I do a podcast, so I'm recording this in case it's worthy material and uh, I'll record the question and answer session. If anyone's not okay with that, just let me know. Uh, the, the podcast is called The Root Simple Podcast and um, uh, I put it out every other week in addition to my blog, which is rootsimple.com. And uh, as was mentioned, uh, two books, Making It and The Urban Homestead. The Urban Homestead has some bad beekeeping advice in it, talking about mistakes you've made. Uh, sometimes when you're an author, you make mistakes. The second book, I'm proud to say Making It, has a, kind of an early incarnation of the backwards ethos as transmitted to me by Kirk, who is a, a wonderful teacher. Uh, but I thought I would, I would talk today about mistakes, because we all make mistakes, right? Um, one of the things about beekeeping is that it is so, on the one hand, very simple, but on the other hand, it's this amazing, beautiful organism that is, in addition to the ordinary levels of, of complexity with biology, it's also got this other social level, just like us, right? So it is this, this amazingly beautiful, complex system. Uh, and I think that any worthwhile human endeavor that we do, uh, we will never reach, there's always this thought that someday we'll reach this level of mastery, that we'll just understand it all, and it'll all be simple and clear. And uh, I don't think that any human endeavor that is worth doing, we ever reach that level of mastery. So as, as what did Socrates say, I know that I know nothing. I am no beekeeping expert. There are people in here, Susan, I'm looking at you, who know far more than I do about beekeeping. 
so in the interest of not knowing nothing, and also in the interest of uh, perhaps learning from some of my mistakes, uh, I, I can maybe some of you won't repeat them. Uh, so that that's the the gist of, of what I, I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to be I'm going to begin with a story. Uh, I got thrown into beekeeping not out of, uh, of, of collecting honey, but more of like helping people move them. It seemed like that is how I got into it. I'm not sure why. Maybe just because that's what the backwards beekeepers were doing much of. I, I know anyone, any of you that are already keeping bees will know that your, your phone will start ringing uh, in the springtime from people you don't even, how'd they get my number, right? Like, oh my God, there's bees, come take care of it. I, I got to be kind of a sucker for that, that uh, desperate phone call that, that often comes in. And, and one of them, uh, one of the first times that I did any kind of beekeeping <laughs> was moving a large hive. Anyone move a large hive here that's already established? Yeah, those of you who have done it know it's a little tricky. Uh, this one was a, this was one that was in a, a deep box and two, uh, two, two shallow boxes, and uh, they were kind of packed in a little too tightly and a little cranky. They needed some more space. And the people that owned them, who were Silver Lake hipsters uh, in their backyard, were moving somewhere. And a friend of mine at the LA Eco Village, which is a really amazing place, on Bimini Avenue in LA, they wanted to start beekeeping. And so Federico gave me a call and said, well, I know these people with bees, they don't want them, let's move them. Uh, and Federico and I show up uh, and there's a party going on. Um, can you guess, like, at, that's the point, I should have said, you know, you know what, uh, maybe we do this another night, <laughs> right? But like Federico and I were busy, and we wanted to get them. There was a truck available, so we were like, we, got, we need to do this tonight. So Federico and I suit up, and we go, you know, and anyone who hasn't moved a hive, an established hive, you do it at, at night when all the bees are back, which is also when the bees are most cranky. They don't like, you know, anyone that approaches a beehive at night is either a human being or a bear. And from the bees' perspective, that's, that's not a good thing. So Federico and I get there, and we have some duct tape and some straps, and I'm like, oh, let's, let's smoke it. We smoke it a little bit, and then we start to clumsily put the duct tape on the hive with, like, we're sweating, and so the duct tape's not sticking. You, may, you know what what's happens next, right? The, the bees start streaming out, and um, let me put it this way. We ended that party real quickly. <laughs> so... If you ever need to show people the door at a party, just, you know, bump the hive in the backyard and send some out. Thankfully, like, there was just, like, one minor sting, and, and the party was cleared out and over. It was a barbecue, too, and I think there was still, like, hot dogs on the grill by the time everyone left. But anyways, so, but the moral of that, that particular story is, um, is to work with other people. Because Federico... Federico Tabone is his name, is a very gifted artist, and he teaches shop classes to young people, that kind of thing. So he's a very handy guy. And so the, the next day we came back, and Federico had done something that was completely genius. He had taken used billboard material, and he had sewn... Um, basically an Ortlieb bag. And if you look back at my bike, you see those yellow bags back there? 
He had made a giant one of those out of uh, vinyl billboard material, and he had added a screen to it so the bees would have air, um, because there's a second part to this, second part of the move, that, that this will be important. So that next time we came, he and I had a better plan for smoking them, quickly closing up the hive, and then we put them in this improvised bag and cinched it up, which was wonderful. All strapped up because the next part of the move is we had to get them to the roof of the eco-village, which is an apartment building, through a, uh, uh, a, a hole in the ceiling. Yeah, with a rickety, you know, one of those rickety attic staircases. And this was, this hive was, you know, like 200 pounds or something like that. Uh, but they were in the bag that was totally cinched up and very well made. And, and Federico's good with knots, too. So he tied some knots around the hive, and we pulled them up, got them to the roof. So again, the moral of that story is work with other people. That's why I really believe in groups like this. I believe in groups in general. I think one of the, the, one of the crises of our modern age is that we don't work with other people, that we don't work in groups. This is, if I write another book, this is what it's going to be about, because our culture wants to keep us apart it wants to keep us separate, and we need to work together on all kinds of things, like beekeeping. It's, I'm, I'm really happy to see such a huge group here for that reason. That's really, really wonderful. I'm sure that the organizers of this group would also appreciate some of you pitching in to help organize it, to bring food, to help bring other people, to help coordinate emails and that kind of thing. That's how we're going to fix many of the problems in our society is working together, and it begins with groups like this. And beekeeping is something to do with other people, especially when it involves moving bees, taking them out of things, things like that. Even just, you know, your first hive in the backyard, you don't know what to do. It's good to have someone else there from the club to help you with that kind of like chain of decision making that happens in beekeeping, of which there's multiple ways to do things. There's not always a clear answer to every question, and that's why we need to work in groups. So that's one story. I'll tell you another story. So shortly thereafter, we got a call, because the backwards beekeepers used to have a, a response line, and um, which became kind of a whole set of problems that maybe we can talk about. but. <laughs> Uh, it got kind of overwhelmed, and one of the calls that came in, I responded to with, with two other people, and it was in the Hollywood Hills. And it was removing bees from a shed that had not been touched in like 10 years. So these bees had been in there who knows how long. And we start to open the wall, and the hive just kept going and going and going. It was the largest hive I've ever seen. It was at least six to eight feet on one wall, and it wrapped around the other. It was massive. So talk about needing other people. There were three of us. The moral of this story is a very simple one. Make sure you're wearing boots. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my boots that day. And so I was just wearing my tennis shoes. And let me tell you, the bees, they know how to get the bipedal creature. They're like, get them in the feet so they can't walk. 
<laughs> right? And they zeroed in on my, my ankles, because I wear a complete uh, bee suit, and it was just this little gap, and man. So I, I was not happy the next day. Uh, the moral of that story is understand your tools. And the bee suit is one of the most important tools. I don't know why this took me so long to realize, but I don't like getting stung. Uh, and uh, there is this sort of like false machismo in beekeeping, like, oh, I'm getting stung, who cares? But why, why get stung, you know? Um, I do carpentry and things like that. I always have, I'm like, you know, I always have glasses on so the sawdust doesn't hit me in the eye. Why would I not do the same thing with a bee suit? And so I would really recommend, especially that everyone in Southern California have a full bee suit from head to toe, not the half one, not the detached veil thing. Have one that is fully complete and wear boots, and then make sure, and this is important when you put your bee suit on, because you're always like, oh, I'm gonna get in there, and oh, you know, I'm gonna hurry up and get in there and do stuff, and you always forget to zip one part of it up. So just take a deep breath, just pause, Make sure you zip up everything. Make sure your socks are tucked in, your pant legs are tuck, tucked in your socks. Make sure the bottom of the suit is zipped down because why get stung? There's no reason to get stung. And then also, when you're working with the bees, you'll be more relaxed. If you're, you have confidence in your suit and you know that the bees are just, they're not going to, to sting you and you, you're, better attitude towards them will make them more calm because they're just the same as a horse or a dog or a cat or anything else. They can sense your nervousness. So the calmer you are and the more collected you are, the better and the happier your beekeeping will be. So, and a big part of that is understanding the suit. Another thing with the suit, the very first uh, removal I did was a tiny um, bird box with bees in it. And I learned that time you don't press your nose against the, the <laughs> veil, right? Simple mistake, you know. Uh, make sure you don't smell bad like I do right now, probably, from rushing here, right? Uh, those simple things will make the beekeeping experience a lot, a lot easier and happier. So I'm going to tell probably the worst story of, of my beekeeping experience. Uh, this one... This was a real lesson, this one. So this, this happened about two or three years ago. And uh, there was a freak wind, uh, summer rainstorm. Everyone remember this? I live up in the Echo Park area, and there was a huge deluge. Leading up to this, um, I had made some hive stands out of wood. Don't do that. Bad mistake. And worse, I had blogged about it. So don't blog about your, the stupid things that you do before you, before you test them in the field. So don't make wooden hive stands. We can talk about hive stands in the question and answer session if you want. But I had noticed that the two hives that I had, which were fairly large in my backyard, were starting to lean a little bit. Uh, and um, I, you know, it's one of those things where like, oh, I'll get around to fixing that. Uh, you know, but I'm busy this week doing important things like blogging or writing some silly book or something. I'll get around to it. So this big rainstorm hits, and I'm off doing something else, running a group like this, that actually a bread group, and I get home, 
my wife is on a trip somewhere visiting her family. I'm alone. I get home. I look in the backyard, and one hive had fallen over, hit the other one, oh. and there were boxes just laying around everywhere, all over the place. And I have some chickens back there, and I panic. So what should I have done at this point? Again, take, right, shoot, well, take a deep breath. What's that? Had a cup of coffee. Yeah, had a, yes, at, that's, or a beer maybe. Well, not a beer, but yeah, exactly. So just take a moment and assess what's going on. But what did I do? You can guess, right? It's like, ah, ah. So I run, I go get my bee suit, and this is the other thing about a bee suit. I have, you know, a, an inexpensive bee suit. You have to wear something under the bee suit. I'm not that I was, like, not wearing anything, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to give you, leave you with that picture. But uh, I was wearing, like, a T-shirt or something. Mm, no, you need to wear, especially when you're dealing with a, an angry hive, like, they were not happy. Uh, you need to have two layers on because they can sting you through the, the thin suit. So I throw the suit on. I run back there, and I'm like, I'll just, put them, I'll just put them back together, you know, without smoking them, which I know, I know you're not supposed to do that, right? I know it, but you just, in the moment, you're not thinking. I'm running back there, and I start putting them back there, and they're super pissed. And they come after me. And, you know, this is, this is not funny, because I'm in tight quarters with my neighbors. They could go, they could go kill a dog. That just happened in my neighborhood, actually. Uh, or worse, a person, right? So um, they come after me, and I'm like, oh, I better get the smoker. Well, where's the smoker? It's in the garage. The garage is down the hill, all right? The garage is locked. The keys are in the house. I have uh, hundreds of bees on me, and there's some cats in the house. I'm like, I don't want to go run through the house with all the bees all over me, right? To get the clicker for the garage. So, yeah, it, gets, it keeps getting worse. So I did end up running through the house with the bees. They, they stuck to me because they knew I was the offender. I get the clicker. I go down there. I get the smoker. Final. It's too late at that point, really. It's really too late. To, and I somehow managed to get the boxes back together, but the bees are still pissed off. Did they kill the chickens? No, no, thankfully no. But, but Susan's right, they could have easily done that. That's why you gotta be careful with this. You know, smoke the crap out of them when this happens and have a plan. No, instead what happened is I ran around the side of the house and there's hundreds of bees on me, and they're stinging me through the suit, and I'm starting to pain. I'm starting to not feel so good, right? And this was this amazing moment. Now, Mikhail Teal, the kind of groovy Northern California beekeeper, talks about this: is when we're dealing with a beehive, we're dealing with this organism that is not like the ones that we normally deal with, right? We're used to dogs and cats and people that have eyes and a nose and a face and that we can interact with and understand what they're doing. But the amazing thing about a beehive is it doesn't have that. It's a very other, very sort of alien organism. And yet it has a consciousness, it has intelligence, 
And uh, this is the bad side of it, but when you're wrestling with it, it's like wrestling with a bear. I was feeling the full force of this organism on me, stinging me repeatedly over and over and super pissed off. But knowing where I was, knowing I was there, knowing I was at fault, you know, this organism knew that and it was after me. And it was like wrestling with a ghost or something, a demon. It was amazing. It was actually an amazing experience. Thankfully, it was getting dark, and it started to rain again. And that solved the problem for me. But had it not, had this been in the middle of the day or something, you know, um, not, not a good thing. So the moral, I think, of this story is to have a plan with beekeeping. And this is just, if you're just doing an inspection, too, you're not going to experience this kind of thing more than likely. You could. But have the boxes all ready to go that you need to put on. Don't have them in the garage. Like, I'll go get them if I need it. Have everything arranged. Have the smoker there. Have extra material for the smoker. Have a place to put the smoker so you don't start a fire, like a little trash can or something. Have a plan before you go in to do what you're doing, especially if you're going to do a removal or something like that. Uh, it's, it's super important. I have a uh, kit uh, that I keep in the garage now because there's always also going to be these panic calls. It's going to be your aunt or your sister or, some, or, or whoever, someone is going to call you like, oh my God, there's these bees, you need to help me right now. So I always have that ready to go so I can just grab it, stick it in the car and, and dash off. I also have, after that experience with, with um, Federico, I bought a mesh bag. So you can get these mesh bags for beekeeping that are really handy if you have to move a hive, especially if you don't have a pickup truck, because I have a hatchback and a bicycle. So either of those, the two things, it's nice to have the bees contained in a mesh bag if you're moving them. Um, I know someone who knows someone who was moving a hive and a hatchback and it fell over in the hatchback, but they had the good sense yeah, they had the good sense to be wearing their bee suit while they were driving, so they just calmly put the bee suit on and kept going, which, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, definitely have a plan and work with other people. And then I think lastly, I'll, I'll just one more uh, sermonizing moment here, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a discussion. But uh, I think oftentimes, you know, early on in beekeeping for me, there was... Um, always a series of decisions to make, like should I put them here, should I put them there, should I move them, you know, do I add a box, these sorts of things. That's where, of course, having other people to talk to will, will help out too. But oftentimes, the best thing is to not do anything. Um, I'm a, on a bash, natural, no treatment, backwards beekeeper, so I'm already in the do-nothing camp. But um, <laughs> I think that... Um, my problem with, with conventional beekeepers is often that they have this idea that they can understand the organism uh, and they can control it. Uh, and I, I think that leads to the, the same sort of arrogance that happens with uh, some other pet peeves of mine, like um, shoes, for instance. Can we talk about shoes? Anyone have plantar fasciitis here? Sure. Yeah, you've had that? Okay, so you go to the doctor. What does the doctor tell you? <clears throat> they, they give you drugs. They tell you to wear shoes all the time, right? That is exactly the wrong thing to do. Uh, the thing to do is to not wear shoes, to wear shoes that have no support in them. Because guess what? It makes your feet stronger the more you walk. 
the the the, the, the tra this is like <clears throat> I get your tinfoil hats out, but the travesty of of the modern running shoe is is just an appalling thing with all the cushioning and, and all of that. There was actually a anthropologist a few years ago who asked the question. Uh, to all of the major shoe manufacturers, show me your peer-reviewed evidence that you use to construct these shoes. And he was met with silence because guess what? There is no peer-reviewed evidence that those shoes are valid. I could say the same thing about uh, infant formula, right? The, the arrogance of human beings to think that we understand the chemistry of, of a mother's milk and we can back-engineer this and not even think, but the problem with that is not just the chemistry of it, but what about the contact between mother and child, right? That's the things they don't even think of, the unknown unknown, as a, as a certain Bush uh, official once said, right? Those things that are outside of, of, a, of our realization. And you see this in convention, I mean, I don't want to, this gets real, like beekeeping is the most contentious topic of all the, the, the topics that we've covered in our books, but... Um, the arrogance to think that, that we can understand uh, a beehive completely and then also understand uh, its predators as well, uh, as in mites and things like that, and not think that perhaps the bees could figure out over time, thanks to you know, survival of the fittest, the best way to, to organize their own affairs. That's, that's my uh, kind of philosophical problem with, with conventional beekeeping. So, um, and we can talk some more about that. I mean, I'm open to other ideas, but, uh, but maybe I'm not open to other ideas at this point. <laughs> because uh, in the end, I think that, that, that the backwards approach is being proven correct. So I'll, I'll give you two anecdotes about that. There was a certain UC scientist, now retired, who like to rail against uh, natural beekeeping, calling it, uh, calling us collectively hippies. I love that one. I, I literally heard him say that, hippies and bee havers and things like that. And uh, one time he was in, um, in the press talking about Africanized bees in Southern California. Why are you guys keeping them? And I just asked him, okay, again, show me the peer-reviewed evidence that you've done that we shouldn't be keeping the local feral bees here. I was met with silence because there is no research on it. There's nothing. So because no one's, there's no money in researching keeping feral Southern California bees. So that's why, again, this group is important because many of you are, are doing that. Um, but I, wanna, I don't want to get off in too much of that because I'm beyond that. I don't even have that conversation anymore. I don't think it's, I mean, I've been to the conventional beekeepers convention. It really should be called the almond growers convention because that's, <laughs> that's what they do. So, which is fine. I guess we need lots of really not very good almonds. So um, there you go. Um, but beekeeping though, I don't, I, I've told you some horrible stories. I want to end with a really wonderful one, which is when, when Kirk, first introduced me to beekeeping, uh, me and, and Kelly. And um, we paid him to come over to uh, show us how to take a hive out of something and set one up. And he came over with uh, bees that were in a shop vac, which is kind of wonderful. Because you think about a shop vac is actually the perfect beehive because it has a little entrance at the top and they can form their comb in it. And I guess the people that found the bees in the shop vac were like, oh my god, bees in a shop vac, and they tossed it. 
somewhere, and it sat there for a year, and Kirk came up in his wonky <laughs> truck and, and came up limping with the, the shop vac full of bees. And Kirk is just wonderful with his hands, and he pulled out a, when it came time to, put the, to move the bees, he pulled out a, a utility knife, and he sliced, deftly sliced off the bottom of the hive. And then opened it up, and it was the, like the mystery of nature was just unfolded before us. And it was just such a beautiful moment. I mean, many of you have experienced this. Like, oh, my God, here's this amazing organism right in front of my eyes, and I can see them working. I can see them. I can see their thought, you know. Like when you, when you approach a, a swarm and you see them doing the dance to tell the bees where to go, you mean you're, you're seeing their... Their thought processes, physically conscious, you know, the consciousness is like in front of you. And that was when we just got completely addicted to this. And it's the, of all the how-to activities in our book, I would just get rid of every one except for this one. This is the, the, the most amazing of all the things that you can do in a small yard, on a rooftop, in a facility like this, you know, it, it's, it is uh, a chance to commune with nature on a level that I don't think there's anything else, maybe gardening, that brings you as close. All right, well, thank you so much. Sorry I was late. I appreciate your patience. Unfortunately, I had to cut the question and answer session because of poor recording quality. But I'd like to encourage any of you in the Long Beach area to attend one of their meetings. You can find the Long Beach Beekeepers at longbeachbeekeepers.org. To leave a question for the Root Simple Podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes store or on Stitcher. Thank you again to our many supporters. Our closing theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening.